On today's show, we discuss the eternal battle of good versus evil in the context of five-a-side football. Representing good, Luke Skywalker, Indiana Jones, Greta Thunberg, Nelson Mandela, captained by Chase from the Paw Patrol. And representing evil, we have Hitler, Nidge from Love Hate, Skeletor, Oliver Cromwell, captained by Lance Armstrong, with Tom Cruise on the bench. We'll also be discussing rugby! The World Cup final, England versus South Africa. Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Nothing Irish to shout about this weekend, but there was the battle, the age-long battle of good and evil this weekend, uh, representing evil in the red corner. Uh, were the Springboks. The Springboks and Wales. Um, representing good were England and New Zealand two very different games um, you didn't need to be an Irish supporter to enjoy those I think uh, no. that doesn't make sense um, we weren't we were Irish supporters <laughs> but we weren't supporting Ireland but I think we still enjoyed the England game flip me the South Africa game was terrible yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah it was it was uh, it was literally like I think the Japanese were the real good guys but they were almost like you know when there's a war movie and there's like don't take this personally. There's always like one super religious guy who's really, really, really keen and really pure, and he always gets killed in the middle of the, mo- you know, like in the middle of the movie. You know uh-huh. he's gonna die. That was Japan. They were like the brave heroes moving on, and then they come up against the power of. I'm not gonna call the Springboks the Nazis, but World War Two is probably the closest. You're thing not I've... going to call them the Nazis, <laughs> not, no. <laughs> but you're going to suggest. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be the conclusion <laughs> that people jump to. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. And uh, so I'm still offended because um, you said, "Don't take this personally." <laughs> <laughs> but that's a disclaimer. Once I say that, you can't take it personally. In the history of conversations, <laughs> yeah, who has ever been preempted with "Don't take this personally" and not took whatever came next <laughs> personally? <laughs> Don't take this personally, you bell end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it could have been worse. It could have yeah. been a lot worse. But it was like when Japan got knocked out, they were the real purists, like play, just playing this beautiful rugby. Didn't really have any kicking game. They're just looking to run the ball, be expansive all the time. And they came up against against South Africa, and it was like the law of the jungle. It was just like might overcame overcame expansive yeah. rugby. And, yeah. And then, then you kind of had, I'm not really sure where Wales, Wales maybe... Italy, they were the Italians. If you have oh. the World War Two, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> okay. you have Germany and you have the Italians uh-huh. coming together. Um, but it was like uh, it was it was pretty stark contrast to the game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, very I felt, different yeah. styles of rugby. Felt like South Africa quarterfinals. We're talking about here against Japan. Just went enough of that. We're not going to be pushing the game any further in Japan. It's mm. gone far enough here. No more creativity. Yeah. Don't be making this game any more attractive than is suitable for us. And then uh, Dwayne from Mullen gets the ball against Wales. I think that carry off, was it off a restart, or he bashed um, oh, the the Thomas the, Francis. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was that was South African rugby, like in, in a nutshell. Yeah, we were playing to their strengths. It was actually when we were Tommy was Tommy Bow was saying that when we were watching it inside in the studio, he just said. I used to hate that when the ball would be kicked off and the number eight would catch it with enough time and you'd see uh-huh. him scanning the line and Tommy said he'd be running going 
Yeah, oh, I know, yeah. I know. Loads of space over here. Yeah. Loads of space. <coughs> I, I just connect, yeah. um, connect, connect, and just running straight at him then. And oh man, he. he how did the tight head? How did the tight head get? How did Francis get there first? Actually, right now, surely George North should have been taking one for the team there. I don't know. I don't know. It was. Um, if you carry in field, you generally have your props slightly more in field. So yeah, the number eight, it was too far to go. Where yeah. the number eight catches it, he's going to tr- the more in field he can get. If he can get to the fifteen, it gives you a great angle to get to, to get on yeah. the kick as opposed to carrying straight. And you're generally going to have your your front row forwards in closer to the middle yeah. of the field. So when he carried in, oh, it's just painful for him. Yeah, quite often I find as you're chasing as a winger there, sometimes if the if the if the eight carries and kind of goes sideways, you can get fortunate and it can be a slightly more convenient side on tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's really stupid of Wales to keep kicking to uh, Dwayne Vermeulen though. Same thing. I was I was um, commentating on the Ulster game of the weekend, and I and um, I made the point every restart. Um, Jared Evans, the card of ten. Go, who who out of that Ulster team do you not want to kick to? Marcel so could see it yeah. three or four times, just straight to him, and let him charge back and get a gain line. Um, I remember uh, Gilroy <laughs> saying about <clears throat> uh, Franco van der Merwe. He'd walk into a room and Gilly would go, Currently, I am double XL. I, I, by the summer, I intend to be triple XL. <laughs> it's like South African rugby. Get big, get physical, and yeah. smash, fellas. I, I, I think a lot of it, you know, because obviously we, we, that's how we played with Munster, and we yeah. tried to add layers on it. And to be, to be fair... I would not, like, you'd be pretty condescending to think that that's all that the Springbok coaches had. Yeah. That's all they have for now because they came in barely 18 months out from the World Cup. Yeah. So they had to try and align all of South African rugby first, try and get, like, get it, get it, get it so that they can select all the players overseas, then get it so they can get access to the players that are currently playing in the Super Rugby franchises. Is in, like, yeah, there's we, politics. There's a lot of politics to... The way we used to have mini camps all the time. Uh, with Ireland, they wouldn't have that with the box. So then, for for Jacqueline Arbor, the defence coach, to be able to go down to the Sharks and do like a session for an hour would that that couldn't have happened in the past. So they're all things that they had to had to do within the eighteen months, and then try and get the team, get the game plan put in situ, uh, try and get everyone aligned, get everyone fit and conditioned. Because you've got some guys who are playing in France, like they got Vermeulen back to back to South Africa to play with the Bulls. They got the got the players conditioned, but like you know that like if that's if if what we saw against Wales and to be fair it's the same for Wales if that's the level if they don't go anywhere beyond that they become so predictable that teams figure them out mm-hmm. so you start adding layers so after we added with Munster that was our first year and it's a really pragmatic way of rugby it's it's super simple you don't play any rugby in your half if it's on. So if you catch the ball and you're like, oh, I've got a tight head prop in front of me and I'm yeah. inside of my own half, go. Absolutely go. You've got yeah, license to yeah. go. If you catch the ball in your half and it's not on, you're not going to score a try, then everyone else in the team knows Andrew's going to carry this ball back, we're going to resource the rook and then we're going to get to the kick or we're going to have a look then and see. So we're going to either see, will we see if the box kick is on, we'll get to the box kick. If not, we might go back to 10 and go with a cross field. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> if that's not on, we might move it and look to kick on the edge. You're always, the, the focus is always to get out of your own half. Yeah. Now, if you're moving it to the edge and the run is on, then you take the run. But if the run isn't on, then you, you get to the kick. You've got to give yourself the depth to get to the kick. Yeah, yeah. It, it looked like at the weekend, it was simplified even further. It looked like an even more simple version mm. of the South African game plan. 
maybe because they were playing against Wales, who they knew were going to be physical and they were going to kick as well. So I think it was just don't get bored first. Yeah, this is going to work for us if we keep going. <clears throat> but it looked like um, uh, the game plan was was this: in our half, kick it; in their half, give it to Colby. What do you mean Colby's not playing? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, in our half kick it, in their half kick it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. I, I think the they the, they put so much of a focus on their mall and and their set piece, and th- they did get good returns from that. Like I think, if you look at it for their for their try, uh, they had a scrum penalty. They got up. They had a mall. Then Malcolm Marks broke down the blind side for the mall. Uh-huh. They played back in field, and then they had two injections. Then that was the difference. Two injections. Pollard. Injected onto the ball, like actually hit the ball flat yeah. at pace, offloaded to Malcolm Marks. Malcolm Marks carried again, they got in behind him, and then Pollard came back against the grain, made a little breach, they got a penalty advantage, and then they moved the ball and they got Delenda scored. He's and that was ridiculous. Just, yeah, it was just brute strength. Yeah. But the difference was is that <clears throat> they had two injections from Pollard. Yeah. That was it. That's all they had in terms of creativity. Yeah. Everything else is mall scrum, mall scrum, yeah, mall scrum. I'm not bagging it at all, actually. I'm, I'm taking the piss, right? But genuinely, if you've got to pack that physical, why would you not play that sort of rugby? Well, that's, that's exactly... That, no, I'm, that not, is, I'm not slagging yeah, it. I'm, it's, it's because it's so one-sided. Like, most teams start off with that. Most teams start off and they'll say, let's get a really strong set piece. Let's get our mall strong, a strong line out. Let's get a strong scrum. Then we'll get our defence really, really strong. And then we'll have a really strong kicking game. And all of those things are pretty mechanical. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's black and white. You know what I mean? You say you're either going to maul this way. And once you've agreed on it, you maul that way. Scrummaging, you're going to scrum a certain way. There's only like the laws does not, doesn't give you a huge amount of leeway to how you're going to go. Defensively, you can be a line speed team. You can turf wedge. You can have systems. But you decide on that. And none of those are based on talent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then you get to your kicking game. Kicking game is going to... A little bit is gonna the strategy you can take around your kicking game is gonna be dictated by the accuracy of your of your nine, ten, fifteen, or whoever is gonna be your primary kickers. If they're really accurate, you might go after contestable balls if you've got if they're really accurate and if you've got good good guys who guys who are good in the air. Yeah. If they're not accurate, then you might just say, Okay, we're gonna go for a little bit more territory and we're gonna focus on a real strong kick chase and then pressuring them on once the opposition have received the ball. And then the last layer that you bring, generally add in is your attack because the attack is way more vague. It's all, like what, what you... It's harder to tie down. It's harder yeah. to add on. It's like everyone can have an opinion on attack. They can say, oh, well, this is what I felt we could have done here. This is what I felt we could have done there. Whereas in defence, because it's a system, you say, well, we agreed on the system, so this is what everyone should be doing when we watch a clip back. In attack, it's a little bit like when you're, when you're talking unstructured attack. All the other stuff is structured. That's that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. So, and England, that's where England went. England, yeah, I know England, that's what I was going to say because so, like, defensively, it looked like the way England performed and the way South Africa performed are just so, so different. But by the large part, set piece is good, their game's good, um, they're physical, they front up. Their defence is just getting off the line. It's the most simple thing ever, but no one else does it anywhere near as well. And I think even England did it better than South Africa did mm. it. Get off the line, literally. <clears throat> Run back there till you're onside, um, get into a three-point stance. When uh, the nine delivers the ball, run as fast as you can that direction. Why 
why are we why are we so impressed with that? <laughs> you know, because it's, it's so difficult to get. I know I'm I'm, mm. I'm taking the piss here, right? Because I remember being in Ulster teams in the past. Johnny Bell hammered line speed, line speed, line speed for years, and it took us like a couple of seasons with him to finally get it. And then we're going, this is really effective. Why have we not done this further? What has who, who is the who's England defence coach? Mitchell. 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 What's he done? He's not. He wasn't Saracens, was he? No. No, he was in. He was, was he? he's a key. He was the key. He's a key. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in uh, in the Bulls. What's he done? Like to to and what's Razi done? Like what is Jack? The Jack is a defense. The difference is, man, is when we when people say line speed. This is this is just what what I got. Yeah, from fine. It. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm mar- if I'm marking the ball carrier and they go line speed, I'm going to sprint at him, and everyone gets it. Now now we're bringing line speed, but line speed is actually the whole the whole team operating at the same uh, on the same same sort of same wavelength in that like when I'm sprinting at him the guy who's out in the wing is sprinting as well because if you think of it when the first pass comes you come up on the first pass yeah. and then on the second pass you're getting up 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 you're reading and then on the third pass you close it off so a team should never get three passes away against you yeah. even if they're playing with depth but the key is, is that if I put pressure on the first guy with, with line speed the guy outside me has to be loaded that if I actually force that guy to deliver a, an inaccurate pass or to pass it a little bit earlier than he wants, that we can capitalise on that by being up on the outside. Yeah. Most teams bring line speed on the inside, like coming up on the ball, but it's on the outside that's the problem. If you look at two Alagis, Sorry, when, when you say the outside, do you mean the wings. starting on the outside shoulder and, and going no, slightly no, in? No, on the outside of the pitch. Uh-huh. As in like, <laughs> if, there's, if the ruck is in the middle of the feet, if the ruck is on the 15 and they're playing open side and you sprint at the first receiver but the guy's outside you aren't sprinting. You're bringing line speed on him. And he's forced, he's forced to give his pass early, earlier than he would have liked. Uh-huh. But then because the rest of the lads outside you haven't come up to sprint alongside you, it means that the opposition now have time to recover. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a bad pass, you have time to recover. But if everyone comes up at the same time, it suffocates them and it shuts down their space. And when you're, when you're the first receiver for the opposition in attack, when you get the ball in your hands, there's a guy sprinting at you and when you look to see if you can throw the pass, you'll see bodies out there and you'll go, oh shit, I can't throw that pass and you end up ducking back inside. Yeah. So that's, that, that's the whole thing about it is people are risk averse. <clears throat> yeah, you know? so it's not, it, it strikes me that defence in those situations you're talking about or the, the, defend, the type of defence that was on display at the weekend by Springboks and England... Um, and the other the other sides to a lesser extent as yeah. well wasn't about um, being physical or making tackles. It's about getting in um, passing channels and outsmarting attackers and almost tricking tricking attacks a little bit. Yeah, you've just got to consistently keep getting up. And but it's it's really tiring. And the the key thing is to watch the ball all the time because I think New Zealand end up watching the man. So if you think of it, say you're a winger, okay? So say you have to do three defensive sets. So three defensive sets are. The opposition are going to attack, there's going to be a tackle. The opposition are going to attack, there's going to be a tackle. The opposition are going to attack, there's going to be a tackle. So that should be three shuttle runs forward for you. Three so you, longer shuttle runs. Yeah, yeah, but you, you want for, to think... For the winger. Yeah, for the wing because you're covering more distance. But the, th- the difference is, is that if you're watching the man, then what happens is, is that you sprint up and you're watching the guy opposite you. You're not aware of where the ball's going. That guy, if he, if he starts to sprint open, he starts to manipulate you. You start reacting to him, even though he doesn't have the ball. Consequently, because you're not watching the ball, that there could be a tackle on the inside, but you, you don't react quick enough to get back to get set for the next one because you've been watching the man. If you're watching the ball, you come up on the first one, 
if there's a tackle occurred, you get straight back and you're ready to go again. Do you, do you understand? I do, what I mean? yeah. I'd, and I know there was a big, uh, big moment when Farrell came in with to Irish rugby and and changed the emphasis, and it was watch the ball, don't watch the man. Yeah. And it took a took a while to get used to. Even the theory, to me, I I understand the benefits from it, but <clears throat> there's been times. I mean, it, it's an age old expression. He's um he's ball watching, mm. <laughs> you know. And sometimes in defence, you might you might just be looking in slightly, and then you get done, yeah. you don't realise how much this uh, attacker is bounced outside, and you, you kind of miss the jump a little bit. There's an element of that that isn't covered in that. In that concept, the I difference think. when Jack used to it with us at Munster is that I didn't realize. Sorry, he uh, he's the same. He's watched the ball. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Jack would have would have been the guy, the first guy on everything with defensively. Like he yeah. he's been a defensive specialist for years before. Like I'd say, Sean Edwards is probably the first guy around, really. Yeah. But the whole idea is that it's a zonal system. You're not concerned with what's in front of you so much. You're not trying to match up and mark up. It's more trying to fill as much of the field as you can. So there's a massive focus when you're a watch the ball line speed team on making sure you get your spacings. So like, it's simple for us saying, okay, well, it's three meters, it's, it's one meter from the rook, it's two meters from the second defender, and it's three meters then for everyone on the way out. And you cover as much distance as you can. And then it's just getting up as hard as you can all the time. So you're filling as much of the field as you can. Whereas if, if you get a little bit tight, so you're not so concerned. With, you know, in the past, when we used to defend years ago at Ireland, you used to like ID, make sure you got, ID yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. So I've got him and you've got him. But then if my guy runs across, do I follow him? Uh-huh. He's manipulated me already, even though I don't, he, he doesn't have the ball. Yeah. So the idea is that it's just you're you're marking space. Yeah. So you try and fill as much of the field as you can, mm-hmm. and then you just make sure you get up. And if you fill as much of the field as you can, the opposition shouldn't be able to get three passes yeah. away. So this is Farrell's rationale for that. Just he says you create your own spacing mm. regardless of what they're doing, because he said no matter what they're doing, they're only trying to deceive you anyway. Yeah. They're only lying to you anyway. But there's an element of that is is true, right? So they might be starting in one position, they might end up in another position, mm. but they're not lying because he is <laughs> yeah, he yeah. is there. Like, mm. I can see him. Like what? <laughs> there's only really so much lying he can do. So I think there's an element. I actually, full, I actually, I had to fully bought into it. But I could I could appreciate there were elements of the old system mm. that maybe weren't captured in it as well. But anyway, listen. We'll, yeah, we'll, your we'll your D got your your you made a lot of good shots in D with Ireland. Yeah, that I started to I started to enjoy the system and enjoy the thing that I liked was getting um, whenever we did we didn't always get it getting either nine or ten pushing the fullback mm. to make sure he closed the gate a little bit more, which freed the winger up to make reads, mm. which I think is so valuable. And yeah. you can see it with South Africa, um, both their wingers make reads and they get it wrong occasionally. But they're so fast that they can often recover because it's a loopy pass. But even if, if you if you do make a read and you don't if you if you go to make a read and you don't execute the tackle, you'll still generally have disrupted the attack pattern. And if you if your line speed is enough that you you get fifteen meters past the gain line when you make that, or ten yeah. meters past the gain line, well then you've got another you've got ten more meters to, to recover yeah. back to you. Yeah, know, yeah, which yeah. is to soak. Yeah, yeah. So like if you look at it. Like I looked at some of the stats, like England against New Zealand, England missed thirty-four tackles. New Zealand missed twenty, but England were get, were missing their tackles so far up the field. Yeah, and that, that's generally what you'll see with all line speed teams. Say it again, you, England missed how many? England had thirty-four missed tackles, and New Zealand had twenty missed tackles. Yeah, 
So something similar happened. Um, I just I was talking about this recently about how how data can be misleading at times. Uh, the first game of Six Nations, the the beginning of the end for for Ireland rugby, Ireland, <laughs> for our World Cup campaign was that England game in uh, February. Yeah. Uh, England missed way more tackles than Ireland that day, but they made more. And it was a new stat that almost was kind of created that weekend: dominant tackles. Mm. I don't know how they capture exactly how they capture dominant tackles, but way more dominant tackles. But obviously, if you're trying to smash guys, you're gonna miss more. Mm. But they backed each other up loads. So I think that's kind of why you know, yeah. people get bogged down. Ooh, 30, whatever, missed tackles. Good luck winning that game against New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so misleading sometimes. Whenever defence is totally different to how it used to be. If you if you look at this, man, I, I, I just took some, some, some of the stats from the game and you consider like how well England played. If you're going to go after New Zealand, where are you going to go after them? You're going to go, okay, well, wh- what are Northern Hemisphere teams generally good at? Is that we're going to go after their set piece? So we'll we'll try and disrupt their line out. You obviously have to have your own line out functioning and your own scrum. We'll try and disrupt their line out. We'll try and disrupt their scrum base. And after like that's what England did. Like New Zealand only had nine line outs. They lost two of them, but they also had their delivery disrupted on maybe three of those, and they also had another one turned over. Atoje was 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 class, like. He was just—he was so effective in disrupting delivery, force tur- like turning turning a ball that the New Zealanders had won into a into a mall a mall turnover. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so after- that would have been so again just to 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 get into like a selection or a tactical kind of decision um, from New Zealand's point of view. They picked Barrett obviously because they wanted to they wanted to look after their line out. Mm. Surely, yeah. Steve Hansen said that. And he, he he was he he was a little bit pointed towards Barrett, but I'm not sure. Like he's being careful. He didn't want to be. He didn't want to be a dick to him. Well, he fucking absolutely like he. Then he yeah, was. <laughs> he absolutely. It was like don't take this personally. <laughs> it was. Yeah, so yeah. Don't take it personally. It was more. like well, what about Scott Barrett? So well, you know, we wanted to win a bit more lineup ball. I don't think Sam Kane is the answer there. I don't think their lineup is that much better with Sam Kane in there. Yeah. And I thought Scott Barrett was 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 the form was. Was up there with Sevilla as, as as their form forward. So, uh, the decision made sense to me. It's just saying if I think he didn't perform well, you know, he's going to feel pretty average. So I'm not going to say that. But you know, if we could pick the team yeah, again, we could probably do something different. Yeah. I was like, oh fuck, he really does that one, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Barrett's probably there going, oh, whew, what a roller coaster yeah. of emotions. But look, look, this is what I looked at, man. Right, is that they went after their set piece. Yeah. Okay. And and they got dominance there. In terms, of they, they you know they won, they edged it in the scrum, won a couple of won a scrum penalty there, uh, an exit, uh, won a pole on on La Lala, and then they obviously messed up their line out. But then still, this is the this is why New Zealand is so good. Look at all the stats. New Zealand had twelve clean line breaks against them. England had six. New Zealand had one hundred and fifty four carries, similar to one hundred and forty seven from from England. Uh-huh. Yet New Zealand made six hundred and thirty nine meters versus four hundred and six meters that England made. Uh-huh. And in the same thing, like New Zealand had twenty one offloads, England had nine. So New Zealand were still New Zealand. I'd say fifteen of those were Sonny Bill when he came on. <laughs> yeah, but but think of it, man. So uh, how many times New Zealand got in behind them? breached them, kept making these, you know, kept testing them. And it was just this, like you said, incredible scramble defence that kept England in it. It's not enough to say if we just mess up their set piece. That was obviously a big part of it. 
but they still, all the unstructured play, New Zealand were still ripping England. Yeah. And it's just that England's defence and England's conditioning, man, they were so fit. Yeah. To play like that for 80 minutes against yeah. them, yeah. it was phenomenal. And they were, they were getting better and better as the game went on. That's true. New Zealand true. were just dying. They were just dying. They were... Um, they just had no idea how to, and as I was thinking, the pit, like Sonny Bill, and just went into every contact, trying to offload, trying to create a moment of magic. Yeah, because there was there's scoreboard pressure on them, so they yeah. had to create. And it's funny, like you know, you were talking about the mental side of the game. You were saying like James Lowe was saying about how how uh-huh. much time they spend on the mental side. At times, it looked like England, were, like like New Zealand, were panicking a little bit. Like you could see the players' eyes, and they were going like. Holy fuck, man! We're we're really struggling to break this, yeah. to break these lads down, yeah. or they're not giving up. Even though they were getting in behind them, they're not giving up. Um, but then, like so, and then you compare that England kicking the ball thirty-two times versus twenty-four times by New Zealand. So, like that, that that's like there's a lot of the elements of the South African game, like being strong in the set piece, having a real strong kicking game, really aggressive defence. They're all there from England. But on top of the reason that England were able to break them down is is their their forwards passing. Think of Sinclair yeah. playing a little tip on to, to Courtney Laws. Think of Sinclair popping the offload initially. Like there was low. The, the, that's the difference, man. The passing yeah. forwards create space. Yeah. So um, and again, that that was the big difference between Ireland and the All Blacks um, last week. We uh, we were discussing it here. Just their phase play, their tip ons, their circle passes, mm. um, out the back passes, so crisp, so sharp. And then England did exactly to them what they've been doing, what they did to us. And it's so it, the set piece. So to get that balance, England don't need to make a decision: do we go after a set piece or do we get guys who are mobile and who can play rugby? They don't. It doesn't matter yeah. because this is the same. They go Sinclair. He's going to lock down a scrum and he's going to be unbelievably good around the park. Mm. Itoji. He's going to compete at line out. He's going to secure our line out. And he's going to be unbelievably good around the park in attack and defence. Mm. Those two fellows were unreal. The English back row as well was class. I know they're getting all the chat, but I just, again, it's kind of changed my mind a little bit um, the last couple of weeks, just seeing how dominant the New Zealand front five were in phase play and seeing that being done to them. It's kind of mm. underlined how important that is. You watched Joe Moody when he played against Ireland, <coughs> how many times he was just careering onto the ball getting in behind Irish players looked yeah. so comfortable looked balanced on the ball and then you saw the same then with Mako Vonopola taking the ball as first receiver off line outs with Billy Vonopola outside him or Manu Tuolagi outside him you know that you know what we have seen we have like Ireland can do it Yeah, it just has to be a sustained effort and you know you have to persist with it and yeah. like it's going to go wrong but that's like England England just showed this is like that's this is where England are now is where I would have predicted that if things kept going well for Munster over, over, over the next few years, that's where Munster could go. Because they have like strong set piece. You know, like traditionally, like I'm just saying from when Rassi came in, yeah, yeah. we would have focused on those things. Strong set piece, kicking game, aggressive D, and then like being, being competitive in attack. And then we started to add in layers over the years. Then Rassi and Jacques went back and, you know, Johan came in and he would have had some different ideas around how we do certain things. And we would add a little bit of unpredictability. But it comes down to so much of it is down to player quality. So when you've got Joey Carberry there, who can pass the ball so well, who can, you know, that's the difference. And it's just, I think that's, everyone... So you can get this far with all of that stuff. Yeah. And then the, the top bits, the Joey Carberrys, the Atojis, the, 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 the talent. The top, top players. But like even that, that model... That that Saracens South African model, like 
that gets you us that will get you with, with 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 players of a certain level of ability will get you really far like that first year that Rassi came in we bare the year before we'd barely gotten into Europe with Munster barely scraped in we took basically the same group of players and applied that clarity of game plan uh-huh. and we won I'd say more games than Munster have ever won in a year now we got to the final and we got ripped apart in the Pro 14 by by Scarlets they just tore us apart and we lost the Saracens. But there was like, th- to show the difference, they go from barely getting into Europe to get into a European semi-final <coughs> yeah. to get into the final of the Pro 14. you got to add layers in after that. Um, I-, I think that that's, that's sort of how you progress. Yeah, so, right, slight um, uh, change of tone. Um, so that's, that's, that's the rugby. That's what uh, Razzie contributes or Eddie Jones contributes in terms of rugby. Mm. And th- uh, those are the two teams who were kind of outstanding at the weekend. But, it's 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 the atmosphere or the environment or the excitement or the the, the spirit within the team kind of mm. there's something about the way England played they played with smiles on their faces they they were totally expectant to win at the end they didn't even really celebrate that much they were just like right let's get on with it there's back slaps there's there's a buzz there's an enthusiasm and obviously Razzie's brought that with South Africa as well they seem to be enjoying their rugby beat the All Blacks in August They're, they've got a, a spring in their step what, what is it because I I can't I haven't had enough exposure from enough coaches to kind of know one or two different slightly different ty- types of approach but I'm talking about the non-rugby approach I'm talking about the social the environment yeah, the, the atmosphere cu- the culture that yeah. yeah what is it because I, I'm racking my brains so I'm, th- I'm trying to think anything like team building to me is lame it's so lame. Forced, isn't it? Yeah, it's forced fun. It's it's artificial fun, and it it doesn't. I don't think it really works. I know, like, we've gone to with Ulster, we've gone up um, up the country a little bit to like an outdoor activity center, you know, with like zorbing and clay pigeon shooting, and mm. we're just like, this is this is crap, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. why don't we just go for coffee or you know go for lunch or whatever? It'd be it'd be better than this. And I remember that particular day, Jared, <laughs> Jared um, went up and he left after half an hour because he had he was getting blind. Jared, Payne. Jared he was getting blinds fi- fitted in his kitchen. <laughs> We're all like, oh, wish I was getting blinds fitted <laughs> in my kitchen. <laughs> We're like Jared, none of us want to be here. Like, fair enough. Anyway, he's scarpered. But uh, and then there was another one with Joe. Um, uh, again, it was just one of those kind of two day camps after Europe. They would have done occasionally. And uh, we split up into groups, and it would be. Um, you had this. You had to make this race car, and there was like a wooden base and wheels and bits of cardboard, and they were all coded. So you all had to like come together and show leadership and teamwork mm. and all this lame stuff, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I was just I was just imagining um, uh, Joe walking around with his clipboard or, or some, mm. one of his minions, you know, someone else walking around with a clipboard and saying, "Oh, Trimby." Knew to put the wheel on the correct side of the chassis. Mm, looks no like, steering wheel there yeah. in James Ryan's group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it looks like Trimby will be selected for Six Nations, I would imagine. Yeah. Do you know what? It's just, it's it's so, it's it's not even fun, actually. I was going to say it's fun. It's not even fun. It's lame. And I don't see there's any, that, that's what typically, you know, go go karting or go clay pigeon shooting or you play for Compul- five side Compulsory Monday. fun. It doesn't work, but there must be something else. The like the Japan side, they're playing with smiles on their faces. There's an there's an, an an obvious buzz in the way they're playing rugby. England, South Africa. There's an obvious buzz, and they love spending time together. Love playing rugby. Mm. And I want. I just, what is it? What does Razzie do, for example? Um, 
Uh, it's a good question because you're always thinking about it because your strategy, the way you play, is always going to change based on what players you have available. If you don't have, if your backs are slow to move the ball, you're going to probably, you know, you're not going to focus on the run that, that much that week um, if, if the conditions are terrible. You know, if the and you know you might have to focus more on the kick if you're so your strategy will change if the if the weather is dry you're going to run a bit more, but your culture should that that lives and that shouldn't change through the year, and I think good culture is good culture regardless of whether it was twenty years ago or fifteen years ago or, or, or you know five years ago, and I think um, what Rassi Rassi came in and was very very open and very transparent with the because you know what I mean like the the cool thing about rugby as a player is that you should feel like you're pretty much in control of your own destiny. The harder you work, the more you should get out of it. Because you literally, you start working on your passing, and then later on that day, you get to go out in the field, and you see, oh, my passing's a little bit better. Yeah. You know, Work on your conditioning, get a little bit better conditioning. Work on your, you know, some aspect of your, your aerial game or something like that. But there has to be a transparency in that you have to feel like that, that you will be allowed the opportunity to, to express your improvement from your work. And I think Rassi came in from the start and was very good in terms of setting out expectations for everyone. So he said, listen, I just want, all I want you to do is try and get better every single day. And when you get out for those 80 minutes to play, I want you to absolutely empty the tank. Just give me all your effort, every bit of effort that you have. And just, and, and obviously we set out the game plan. We went through that. We, we, we went through it and everyone sort of had a bit of, input you know what I mean but Rassi Rassi positioned it he just said well here's a couple of different game plans where you can play off nine you can play off ten you know different advantages to this different advantages to that playing two four two playing one three three one um you know all different ways of playing and he gave the advantages advantages and we kind of agreed on it as a group we said look okay we're going to go with this one but Rassi had obviously prepared it so that we were all going to go with the one that he was most comfortable with he tricked you a little bit, maybe, <laughs> but like it was, it was, it was pretty common sense that this is oh, well. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna start with prioritizing yeah. these bits, and then um, and then he just made the expectation. So everyone knew came in and said, as long as you just try your best, because when you're ten years of age and you're and you're going out to go for a run, and you're in a race or something, your mum just says, go out and do your best, Andrew. That's all you can do, yeah. and it's still the same. It's still the very same. Like when I wasn't what my dad was saying. No, <laughs> mum said, "Do your best." Dad was like, "Don't let me down." <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But like, it's still the same for the players. All of the work that they've done when they go out in the World Cup final, you just say, "Listen, don't get, don't get." You don't want them tied up in their own heads, feeling they can't make a mistake or that. Yeah, you know, it's freedom to express them. Freedom to go out. And a good just example play. of that with with Razi actually Zebo because he's a massive Razi fan. Yeah. And it mightn't have been a game plan that might, would have suited someone like Zebo because it was direct, it was confrontational, it was physical, mm. and he was a guy who kind of liked a bit of space and liked the ball in his hands. Maybe like Colby, same sort of thing. You've you got to think it with Zebes. Like, Rassi would have said this to us, would have said, like, because Rassi said, like, why does Zebes play the game? He plays the game because he loves, like, he loves Money. the attention. Sorry. He loves the attention, <laughs> he loves the spotlight of it, and, you know, he likes being an individual. You know, that's why when he scores a try, he throws up the Z and, you know, he, he, that's what he loves. And if you take that away from him, like, why is he, he doesn't want to play the game. So, like, if you tell Zeebs, listen, don't celebrate after you score. Well, that's, when he's, when he gets up in the morning, he goes, oh, I'm excited to go to training because I want to work on scoring some tries. That's, that's his reason. Yeah. And you've got to, like, it, and you, 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 the team can accommodate that. Yeah. But it's, if Zeebs starts doing things that are, you know, 
if he's not pulling his weight at training because he's been a bit slack, then yeah. you say, well, look, Zeebs, you've got you to you gotta roam with the group here. We yeah. want to facilitate you because he's an incredible talent. Yeah, I imagine Zeebs, if he, if he did try and be something he wasn't, he'd be like uh, Will Ferrell and Step Brothers at the Catalina Wine Mixer. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, that truly is an interesting observation, you know, staying born stuff. Like <laughs> no, he, well, like, here, you know who's got an interesting take on that, actually, <clears throat> on the uh, celebrating... John O'Gibbs sat us down and uh, we were playing Treviso or something and we scored and we just went straight back and there was mm. no buzz, no no atmosphere, nothing. No huddle, like no celebrations. Yeah. And he said, lads, did we did we work hard for that try? Did we, you know, did we train something? Did we train hard to get in a position to score that try? Well, he was obviously just trying to yeah. start a conversation around it and he said, listen, if we work hard and, you know, we managed to pull that off, even even if it is just Treviso or whatever it is, whatever stage you score these tries, how, no matter how important he says, if you put the work in and you get there and you execute something, that's there's a should be a good feeling from that. Why don't you, we all get in and just celebrate, high fives, hugs, let's just enjoy mm. a, a big moment because that's why we're playing the game to score tries. Yeah, and I was like, well, actually, yeah, but the other way of looking at that is um, with with Joe would be poker face. And England, I think, actually probably got a bit of both. They do a bit of backslap and a bit of, uh, woo, you know, when they get turnovers. They did that in the Lions, actually, quite a bit. That's that's Saris. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Saris have that, they call it like the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Where it's not so much, if you have to wait till you score a try to start celebrating and getting animated in front of the opposition, you could be waiting 20 minutes to score a try. Whereas if you force a turnover... And the opposition are like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're not going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shucks. shucks. <laughs> but like, the, we, we see it, like when we prep, you'd see like, if, if Itoje forced a turnover, all the Saris as would get so animated. They're like, yes. Yeah, it's so fake. It's annoying I, though. But you're almost thinking like, what ends up happening is you start going, fuck man this means so much to them or something like that and yeah. what they're doing is they're trying to energise themselves off little wins all the way through so they win a scrum penalty they all get up and start high-fiving the back run and said oh fuck well done great scrum yeah. you know and then like it kind of it does, means that they're not waiting for the they're not waiting for that moment when they score a try like this that, that will that will come but yeah. all of the times you're just feeling like intimidated they're 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 getting energised off every little win they get so yeah. the death by a thousand cuts there's different ways of looking at it, but but Rassi's thing with someone like Zeebs is just like you make you you have to make it when you come in from a culture, you have to say, listen, this is the number one thing. So the team comes first. And after that, then we will accommodate everyone within that to the best of our ability. So some guys want to play rugby because they want to make a lot of money. Some guys want to play for Ireland. Some guys want to win as many trophies. Some guys want to play because they're make their mum and dad proud. And all of those things can, can come in under the umbrella of putting the team first. And it's just as long as nothing steps beyond that. Like, so if some guys wear the wrong gear, you know what I mean? That, that's not a big deal. But it, if, if it irritates some of the other team or takes from their, from their, from their, uh, from their prep, then you've got to say, listen, we need you all to row in here because the team comes first. And, you know, if, if Trimby wearing the wrong hoodie during a captain's run irritates some of the other players, well, listen, just, just fit in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's, listen, there's two ways... Two two ways of approaching it, and and it seems like South Africa have gone that direction. It looks like England have kind of um, harnessed both the the benefits of both, in that they they seem like pretty poker faced, pretty relentless. They win the game, they beat New Zealand, one of the best performances we've ever seen, and they're just like right on to next week. 
pure poker face. But then there's moments in the game where you can see the energy in the mm. team. You can see loving playing for each other, and it was so impressive. I thought. Well, they're just so well conditioned, and they they would have been exhausted by the end of that game because even though they were comprehensive. There was so many times when New Zealand could have ripped them apart because they're, cause they're New Zealand. Yeah. So even though England were dominant nearly everywhere, they still still had twice as many clean breaks. New Zealand still had twice as many clean breaks. Had over nearly 250 metres more on carries. You know, like, you know, had way more offloads. There was so many times. That, that's why New Zealand are so hard to beat. And it was such a complete performance by England that they, even though when they were stretched, they still scrambled. And you get massive turnovers from Curry or a massive, massive hit from Underhill just, just suddenly stems the tide of four positive win moments from, from New Zealand. I think good culture is good culture, whatever way you put it. And I think what Eddie Jones has done is he's taken a team, he's prioritised all of the, the key mechanical things, set yeah. piece, defence, kicking game, and then he's added in, you know, like if you watch the Rising Rising Suns, that the England, the, the vlog that's on yeah. YouTube, you just see every time the England players are just, just working on, on catch-pass things, you know, all the time. Yeah. Like at the start, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure if England are, are they just going to be relying on power? But like the difference is that when, when Kyle Sinclair throws that little circle pass or pops that ball out of the tackle, that keeps the ball alive and it, that means that defences don't have an opportunity to get set. Yeah. And that was the difference with them. I thought they were thought they were class. Yeah, Eddie Jones is uh, being lauded now uh, for being an absolute genius. Mm. Um, Selection-wise, obviously he made the change from the quarterfinal, put uh, George Ford back in there. Mm. For me, that's not necessarily being a genius, that's just... I've got loads of class, but I can play um, Farrell at 10 and Slade, or mm. I can play um, Ford and Farrell. Both are going to be amazing. <laughs> Both are going to work well. Now, Ford yeah. had the game of his life. He was yeah. unbelievable. I, I would have thought that, that Ford was selected on the basis that we can afford to play Ford here now because I don't think New Zealand are going to change how they play to go after George Ford. Whereas, Why is, that, is, that, is that the issue with Ford? That he's vulnerable... Yeah, yeah. Like, we would have like look. He's a he's a he's a one of the best passers <coughs> of the ball, and and he's a really really good kicker of the ball, and he's got good movement. But I think that he's you know you can you can you can get, you can get momentum if you carry into his channel. Yeah. And um, I thought that that's you know I think that I thought maybe with Karevi when they were playing Australia, I thought that Karevi would be straight down George Ford's channel all day. And they said, oh, we're going to go with, we're going to change it up and put, put on Farrell in there. Now, the fact is, is that South Africa will 100% go after George Ford if he starts. Yeah. But I'm not sure whether you can, whether Eddie Jones is going to drop George Ford after the way he played. The other side is... How could you? Well, yeah. <laughs> he, he, look at it, like Henry Slade probably thought, like, I did enough yeah. there in the yeah. Australian game. But here's an even bigger question now is... You saw how England started that game against New Zealand. 100 miles an hour, incredibly hard to stop. And once, and they did the same to Ireland when they played in the Six Nations, didn't they? Uh, yeah, straight away. Yeah. yeah. So what, New Z- what South Africa have done the last couple of weeks for their last two games is they've probably put uh, the Beast, uh, Mbanambi, uh, Franz Malherbe, uh, maybe Lou Dieger or, or Etzebeth. Uh-huh. Um, They've gone with probably their bigger, heavier forwards, or maybe the guys who they would see as maybe less conditioned. I, I can't. Fatties, the fatties. They've they've gone with those guys to start, and they've finished then with 
kit job for his ball carry when he comes on, his, obviously his scrum. Yeah. Vincent Cock is far more mobile than Malherbe. Um, Malcolm Marks far more mobile than Umbanambi. Franco Mustard has probably got the biggest work rate out of, along with Steph Dutoy, of, of all the South African forwards. So they bring them on, they take Vermeulen off, and they can bring on Francois Lowe, you know, because they're taking off these big, huge, heavy guys, and then they're really strong for the last 30 minutes. But I'm not sure if they can do that now. For the, can they afford? You think they can't last? So no, you no. They can't get through that first ten minutes whenever England comes. I think the blocks. that they need to start really yeah, well against okay, England yeah. because the thing is, is that um, what we were conscious of when we when you play the way South Africa play is that if score if you get scoreboard pressure on you, so if the opposition that just means if the opposition go ahead, mm-hmm. you now have to you now have to force to play a little bit more. Like if you watch it. South Africa were pretty keen or were pretty were pretty comfortable to not to not break to not start going we need to run the ball a little bit here they never got bored with kicking but if you start if you're behind and if you're behind by almost two scores you start going oh shit I know that I should be kicking here but we're gonna we're gonna have to try and force yeah, this and yeah. run so I'm same not saying sh- it's the exact same uh, model that Saracens do yeah you, you, if you go behind against Saracens it, it's gone yeah it's gone. you never come back because then you have to start doing something that you don't do naturally, and then they start picking off intercepts or turnovers. So it'll be really interesting to see: Does Rassi go? Is he going to start? Is he going to start his is what you'd imagine is his strongest team to start? Yeah. Is he going to start um, Vincent Co- like Vincent Cock is is a difficult a difficult one because they've got to be one hundred percent comfortable in his scrummaging. He's definitely on the field. He's far better than Malherbe. He's Malherbe. not as good in the, in the scrum, is he not? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I, I I've always rated Vincent Cock, uh-huh. but I think he. He struggled a little bit at times last year. Yeah. But, um, Malcolm Marks is potentially the best hooker in the world. Stephen Kitchoff, potentially one of the best loose heads in the world. He's fantastic. Uh, Mostart has an incredible work rate. So I'm not sure, like, can they afford... They need to start really well against England. Because if, if England get into a lead against them, and then England will know then, OK, we're, if England get two scores ahead against, against South Africa, South Africa will be like... How are we going to score tries? We're mm-hmm. going to need to score tries from our mall. Yeah, is Colby fit? Uh, Colby, I'd imagine, I, I don't know. I, I'd imagine he, he will be fit, I'd imagine. Yeah, like it'd be um, touch and go, but they're hoping to get him fit, yeah. yeah. Because, like, I, I, I watched them against uh, against Japan and even, even in the last game there uh, against Wales, like, Pollard had a couple of injections for the try, but after that, Pollard, Delende, Lukinuam and Willie LaRue specifically... Um, they're not creating, you know. They're not creating even simple catch pass stuff. Like in the in the Japan game, South Africa had twenty seven percent possession in the first half. Twenty seven percent possession, and in that twenty seven percent possession, they had like maybe three simple catch pass that they could have scored a try off that they they, they messed up. If you're only going to have twenty seven percent possession, you're comfortable with the opposition having the ball. Well, then when you do have the ball, you have to be super clinical with it, and. I think that that's been that's been an area that yeah. it's been so poor for them that it's bound to come up. <clears throat> yeah, what do we feel? Have you been chatting to Felix at all about it? Uh, I chat to him, but I'm I'm conscious that I'm going to be talking on shows like this yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or on air sports. So I try not to ask him stuff about the team. I just ask him how he's getting on. Yeah, uh, what's the mood out there? Like you know, what's what's the World Cup? He he's the one who said to me. He said, "I said, geez, I watched Scotland Samoa today." And uh, I said, oh, fucking Scotland's handling was terrible. And he goes, Fly, you've no idea. He goes, after after 30 minutes, it's just so humid. It's so sweaty. It's so hard to catch the ball. So I was like, okay. <coughs> so it's good. To, it kind of 
you're going to temper your comments a little bit more than when you're sitting in a studio watching a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just been asking him about what, like, how how he's finding Jack and Rassi and Alad and how he's finding working with the different players there and the different cultures and what's he learning and it, it's just been interesting chatting to me. Think of it, man. In in May, Felix was Felix turned down his contract from Munster and um, and now he's coaching in a World Cup final. What's he going to do when the World Cup's over? I don't know. We'll see. I'd say if they win the World Cup, he'll have. He'll have well, he's certainly he's going to have a lot of options now anyway. But yeah. if they win the World Cup, um, he's 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 going to be the first Irish man. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Then you see if I just like I had a lot of people asking me like I went I did the Munster Ospreys game and everyone was there to me. Oh, Stephen Larkham, what are we going to see from him? And I was like, Stephen Larkham isn't. There is no silver bullet. There is no perfect thing that comes in and fixes fixes it. it's a lot of it is down to players and player quality i can definitely you can definitely see there's a bit more offloading coming in but you know people don't seem to don't seem to grasp that it's not just change the coach and all the players suddenly become amazing yeah you know what i mean it's that's not the case um but uh that's it yeah it's right. just it's a nice it's a nice story to see like for to be a maid of felix's and to see him turning down the monster contract in may and then you know to be coaching in a World Cup final like it's disappointing because he's such a good coach and he's yeah. not at Munster but no, it's good to see because he's yeah. he, he's a good fella he knows his rugby he works hard you obviously know him better than I do but yeah. Two-Face uh, Two-Face yeah he's uh, yeah. it's nice to see um, someone like Felix do well yeah right we'll be back with part two Die Harder which, which then um uh, I think it's just telling you what's happening in the film. I don't think actually the <laughs> People are dying harder. harder. It's like a, a warning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for parents. Yeah, just if your kids watching this, you know there's going to be people dying harder, don't you? <laughs> Which makes you wonder why was Die Hard three not called Died Die Hardest? What was that one called? It was called um, uh, With a Vengeance. Oh, yeah. Die, Die Hard With a Vengeance. See, I, now that is what that one was called. That wasn't called <laughs> Die Hard 3. That one's called Die Hard With a Vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Die Hard 2 is called Die Hard 3. <laughs> Fine, okay, yeah. I, I think Die Hard With a Vengeance is my favourite. Yeah. Mm. Danny Glover? Uh, no, Simon L. Jackson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 I was thinking uh, Lethal Weapon Lethal Yes yeah. You were It's my last day on the job <laughs> God <laughs> My 50 I'm too old for this shit <laughs> Yeah Okay welcome back to part 2 um, Ireland What's the story Why do they not peak At World Cups Fla <laughs> Shouldn't we Shouldn't we just move away From focusing on the Six Nations This is we obviously discussed this off camera and it's actually a bugbear of mine is that it's it's one of fundamentally the stupidest questions ever, man, or stupidest kind of mindsets. Let's stop focusing on the Six Nations and start focusing on winning World Cups. What, do we turn down opportunities to win Six Nations and then say, no, we've no. got a longer game in mind here? This is, this is the point. Is that like Andy Farrell now is going to be the head coach coming into this. It's going to be his first Six Nations. You saw off the back of all the goodwill that Joe, Joe Schmidt had generated over his six-year tenure, winning, winning Grand Slams, winning, winning championships, and then the fact that we lost two games in the last Six Nations, everyone lost their minds. They were like, what's happened to us? We've gone to shit. The World Cup is it's, it's not even going to happen for us now. And I'm like, 
this is like, you have to just try and win everything. You yeah, have to yeah. win everything. The only thing that you can try and do, and you, you've got to try and win the Six Nations every single year. But you should try harder at World Cups. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that's probably it. Should you We're, not? It's, it's, it's actually so stupid, man. It's so irritating. <laughs> I, I'm like thinking, like, do people have a brain cell in their head? Like, the, the only way you could kind of look at it and, is that if you re- say you're playing Scotland in the Six Nations, and for instance, Joey Carberry's fit, and you're going, I think we should start Joey at 10 for this game here and give Johnny Sexton a break. Now, you'd probably be stronger with Johnny Sexton, but are you confident that you can still beat Scotland with Joey Carberry at 10? If you are, then that's the call to make. We could have beat Scotland with Pat at 10. (laughs) 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 But like, that that way, that way you're, and I think that that, that Joe had it in his mind that he was trying to to experiment a little bit and get some more game time into players. He didn't have Joey Carberry available during Six Nations. We lost two games and everyone just shit their pants. They were like, we lost England in the Six Nations, what's wrong with us? And then they went, oh, we lost to Wales, we're absolute shit. And I'm like, but you're the ones who are still turn around after we lose in the World Cup and go, we need to stop focusing on the Six Nations. <laughs> yeah. So if we lose all five Six Nations games and we do that four years on the, on the bounce, we'll go to the World Cup and we'll be like, we're ready for this one. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just... Yeah. Well, um, how long is Farrell's contract? Do you know, Pat? Oh, actually, I don't know, yeah. But I doubt it's four years. I wouldn't say it's four years either, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's going to be judged on winning, man. Exactly. That's, what, that's, that's, the point, that's the point I'm making. If he, if he gets off to a bad start in the Six Nations, four years... Before the next World Cup, he'll get he'll get hounded. He yeah. just needs to win the Six exactly, Nations every yeah. year. And this shit about like just you know stop such a big focus on it. Yeah, if you win, if you try and win every game you play and are successful and win a lot of games that you play in, it's likely that some of those wins will coincide at a World Cup. <laughs> you know, rather than um, no, let's keep our powder dry. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Eddie Jones is a genius because he's peaked at the World Cup. He just has always tried to have his England team as good as possible. And they were class at the start, yeah. then they were crap for a wee while, and then they were class at the end. I mean, did he, did he design it in such a way? He we're gonna, is. Here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we're going to be class, and then we're going to be crap for a wee while, and then we're going to be class, and everybody goes, sign him up. That's yeah. how his interview went. He just transitioned. like He's bringing in new players, bringing yeah. in Curry and Underhill. and Ah, oh, stop, man. Right, it's, come on, let's, like, yeah. you're getting down. This is getting you. Uh, just that, that point, <laughs> I had to get it off my chest. Right, well, let's, go, let's go for black and white. Right. Your topic this week, as we all know, Guinness, I nearly forgot, is the perfect way to bring friends together. But yes. this topic on black and white could tear the house apart. Mm-hmm. So, your topic this week is... I'll find it here. I've scribbled it down somewhere. Um, we should all cheer England on in the World Cup final. Who wants to? T- who wants to be pro England? Who wants to be anti England? I'll be anti England. Oh, all right. Happy enough. So if you're anti England, then I'm pro England. You're pro yes. England. I think it's it's more contentious for me to be pro England. Okay, okay. You know we are playing against Felix and Rassi and Jack and Alad, the South Africans. So that, that's pretty easy for you. Yeah. Oh, he's handed you one there. You could win this week. I don't mind. Me? I'm happy to be <laughs> okay, there. Okay, okay. The, the reasons, the reasons we should support England. Right, I'll go... Are we, are we, have we been taping the whole time here? This is taping the whole time, okay. yeah. The right. reasons we have been supporting England, the reasons we should support England in the final, is because they're a Northern Hemisphere side. We're going to play against a lot of those players. And, uh, you know, we know that Tyg Furlong's on a level with Kyle Sinclair. We know that... Um, 
Oh, I'm struggling now. James Ryan is, <laughs> is, is, is there and thereabouts with Maro Atoje. You know, we know that we have players who play at those... Handy, at, maybe. ...who play against those guys and they, and they compete with them and they do well. We've seen how England have, have built in set-piece, kicking game, defensive, the, the, a strong defensive game, and then they've added the extra layers on top. That's something that we can do with Ireland. That's a model that we can follow. We know that Tyg Furlong is, 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 is a fantastic ball handler... We just need to get him on the ball. Okay, a bit okay, more. right. Hang on a second. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I'll give you five seconds. Think. And uh, I think that uh, it would be nice to put to bed some of the 2003 World Cup heroes and get some new guys out there. That was really painful for me to say. I have to say all of that. Yeah, that's fine. I think the last bit was was reasonably convincing. Mm. Um, but uh, okay, so England have created a model by which you can get into a position to win a World Cup at this stage and potentially win a World Cup when we're talking next week. Mm. Uh, so your argument is that we can replicate that because we have James Ryan and Tag Furlong. It's <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> shit my argument like that. But I know, I know what you mean, right? But um, wouldn't it be great if we did it first? They've done, they've created the, a bit of a platform and they said, here's how to do it. And then they get chinned by Razi and Felix and Dwayne Vermeulen at the weekend and then stop it dead then we don't have to listen to uh, English media spouting out about how good they are we don't have to have like this generation's Lawrence Delalio Johnny Wilkinson just drinking in the money mm. from that post dinner yeah, yeah. <laughs> after dinner speeches speeches uh, why don't we say right that's a good idea we're going to do that Jim Tran tag for a long gather round fellas mm. we are going to win the World Cup in 2023 wow it's pretty solid yeah it was, a, it was a shot to not. I think as soon as I bagged that I was going to be anti-England, that I'd more or less won the argument. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight yeah, away. Yeah. Trivia back. Yeah. The losing streak is over. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, it was Did I lose four in a row? It was a, a long time. It was going to Barry Murphy Yeah, you know stretch. what, though? This is World Cup year and I'm peaking at the World Cup. I lost four, uh, <laughs> four, four six nations <laughs> there we in go. a row. There we <laughs> go. That's it. Right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and all your favourite apps. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube... Please do leave us a rating and a review. We promise to read out uh, any decent ones. So we've got one from Sheridan, 1985. I suspect Sheridan was born <laughs> in 1985 and has never updated his... Uh, his um... You don't update your age, man. No. <laughs> your date of birth. <laughs> so I don't know why I said that. Anyway, the review was, Great pod. Makes the journey to work on a Monday easier. Also, now you two are averaging 2.5 children. Isn't it time you thought about getting the snip? Sheridan, I am campaigning to get the snip. Every day I go home, I ask Anna, please, cut please. My, cut my dick off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear it's painful, but not as painful as a fourth child. So uh, I'm right with you there. Sheridan, 1985. Anyway, next live show, we can possibly cut your dick off. We can do a live show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A live snip. Yeah. <laughs> Gather around, folks. Yeah. What if you get a doctor or something like that? <laughs> uh, okay. Cheers to everyone that was involved in making the show. Pat, Alan, Fiona, and Anthony. This has been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, on Joe, together with Guinness. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.